This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 22, with Sophia Chang. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. Today, we've got my awesome friend and super talented illustrator, Sophia Chang, in the studio. Sophia's done some amazing collaborations, including a big one with Anthony Bourdain for his No Reservations TV show poster art, which we get to hear the story of how that came about in this show. She's collaborated with brands like Nike, the NBA, Steve Madden, Complex Magazine, and many more. And she's currently about to release a clothing collection she collaborated on with Puma, which is very exciting. Sophia is an inspiring artist and has a lot of great advice on how to get started as an artist coming out of school and evaluating internships and leading into the process from there. She's got great mindsets to share and she sheds a good light into what the life of a professional illustrator is actually like. She and her work inspires me. She is a proactive creator. Her alias and website is essiemay.com. That's E-S-Y-M-A-I.com. Find out what that means in this show. You can also check out her work and her portfolio at that website. Sophia is a great example of how someone trained in design and illustration can transcend across different types of art. She's done printmaking, apparel, websites, graphic design, illustration, show curation, and others. Design thinking allows you to create more efficiency in a larger spectrum of life and other creations, and especially business. We did a little photo shoot of her in her workspace uh, the same day that we recorded the podcast. So check those out, shoptalkradio.com slash EP22. And you can get a good idea of her environment that she likes to work in. So with that, let's dive in. We've got Sophia Chang here in the studio, and um, Sophia is an amazing illustrator. So welcome, Sophia. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah. Wait, so what's this show called? This show is called Shop Talk Radio. Okay. Yes. Got it. So give us a little background. What's your story? Where are you from? What is? Tell us more about your illustration and your path. Um, so I'm actually a native New Yorker, and I take a lot of pride in that. I'm born and raised in uh, New York, in, in Queens, actually. And... Um, I'm still living out of there now in Woodside currently, and I'm a full-time freelancer. Uh, I focus specifically on illustration and design, uh, different aspects of design from web, graphic design, um, print, clothing, anything, you name it, except like probably like lighting and interiors. That's like a whole different playing field. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. So how did you get started with uh, with the arts? 
Um, I actually drew my entire life. I've always been a doodler, quote unquote. Um, I, I drew throughout school. I would draw on people sitting in front of me. I would draw in my note, notes, notebooks, everything. Um, I was more into drawing than I was paying attention. <laughs> um, so it's always been a huge part of my life. And I never actually pur- pursued it more seriously until college kind of came around. Mm. And um, I was actually choosing between a major in biology or or the arts. Yeah. And up to that point in my life, I didn't know anything about about um, about like the professional and commercial world of of illustration. I didn't even know what the word illustration probably meant back then. Um, and then when I got into school, um, I got into Parsons, um, and I was going to actually study fashion design because I wow. was always really into fashion. I used to have a notebook that was full of like these little sketches and stuff. I took pre college courses in the past. And so that was what I wanted to do. And then when I got into school, I realized I hated everyone in fashion. Because <laughs> I, I met the people, I met the teachers, I met the other students, and they were all these like superficial, rich kids. All They, they loved fashion, but they loved it for themselves. Mm. And they would kind of compare and whatever. They weren't really into, you know, like, um, like creating clothing and, and really st- studying it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, my true passion was actually illustration. At the end of the day, I just wanted to draw. I didn't want to like sit down, sew clothes, make clothes, study materials, and all that. I just wanted to draw. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I discovered that there's another department, there's another major, and and kind of transferred, mm-hmm. and then just started off with that. And then I was just my eyes were open to to that market. That's awesome. So, how did you actually your eyes? What did you experience to like see? the possibility of becoming an illustrator as a career? Um, well, it's always difficult, you know, especially for for me growing up with, like, Asian parents. The whole push is always to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so things like illustration and, and just drawing was more so a hobby than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I knew, I knew what my capabilities were in terms of, like, being able to draw. Um, but... But it wasn't until like school that I realized, oh wow, you can really make a living out of this. And there's so many different styles. There's all these different colors, and you got introduced to all these other illustrators that were out in the world. Mm. Which to that point in my life, I knew. Again, I knew nothing about the illustration world. Yeah. You can do, you know, children's book design. You could do toys. Um, you know, they, in school they taught us about taking your creativity and applying it to all these different mediums, whether it's graphic design or. I don't know, live drawing, still lives and all of that. So really expanding your knowledge of it and and just fully immersing you in that world and seeing what's available. And then you kind of have to do a lot of self-reflection and figure out what is it that you're personally interested in and where you want to find yourself in this this crazy galaxy, this universe of illustration. And so I, you know, in, in school, I did all the assignments, whatever, whatever. And I didn't really find my own style in my own niche world until afterwards, mm-hmm. um, where I realized, hey, you know, I'm interested in in um, you know New York City, where I grew up. I'm interested in music. I'm interested in streetwear. So kind of really digging into my roots and mm. my upbringing, and then translating that and using that creative energy and and, and basically producing through wow. that. And so that's how I kind of found my little niche world. And that's how I 
was able to make it work because even when I was a student, I wasn't like a star student. I wasn't someone who's producing stuff that was in showcases or anything like that. I wasn't winning scholarships. I wasn't winning all these like awards because in school they encourage you to do that, enter all these contests and competitions. But, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you've created some amazing things. I mean, you did Anthony Bourdain's TV show, right? Yep. Yep. Um, oh. That was, that was probably my first real job. Wow. And How? I totally ripped myself off with that too, <laughs> pricing wise. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you live in, that's kind of, that's I, totally I like part, part of the, of the process. journey. Yep. Yeah. How did that job come about for you? Um, actually the good thing is all of my jobs have a really funny story. Mm. Most, most of them. Um, it's really weird. They kind of just like fall out of nowhere. Um, with the Anthony Bourdain job, um, that job specifically was to create artwork for um, an entire season of No Reservations. So mm-hmm. I got to watch all the episodes beforehand and create an illustration for each each um, each episode. So that started out through a friend of mine. His name's uh, his name's David Lee, but he has a nickname called Rec Rec Stizzy. He's a rapper. You know. <laughs> um, so he's kind of that goofy guy that you grew up with that you never thought you could actually get jobs off of. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of just like the guy who rapped and listened to music all day and smoked weed and stuff. <laughs> um, but surprisingly, he knew some, He knew a friend of a friend that worked at the production agency that worked with Anthony Bourdain. So they handled all of like the Discovery Channel, uh, National, I don't know, Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, National Geographic, whatever, yeah. all of that. So he um, got in touch with me because he was like, oh, my friend, um, they're looking for an illustrator and you draw stuff, so maybe you can help them out. And um, the job was for one illustration, unpaid, um, for just one episode with Anthony Bourdain. It was like a Boston episode and they're, they were um, going to launch it that week. They wanted a graphic to go with the Facebook and Twitter post. And... Um, you know, I'm not a big foodie person. I mean, I love to eat, but I don't watch like travel channel, food channel, any of that kind of Mm. stuff. I knew of Anthony Bourdain's work. Well, I knew who he was, but I never personally watched any of the shows. And so, um, I just knew he was this like famous guy that everyone liked. So I was like, okay, uh, yeah, I'll just do the job. Um, put in my portfolio, whatever. So I did it. I didn't even put an A effort, which is probably not the best thing to do but um, (laughs) they put it out and it just went out there it lives on Facebook Twitter and out of nowhere I I got a call from Travel Channel one day and they were like hey we loved what you did Um, and keep in mind this is this is like a separate client I'm basically dealing with because initially I was dealing with a production agency I guess Travel Channel found out that it was me who did it and they were like hey let's let's do a whole let's do a whole season I was like okay sure yeah that sounds awesome (laughs) And, and um, after we had signed the papers and done all of that, and I started working on maybe the first one or two episodes, um, I got another call and they were like, hey, we love you so much. Can we, can we come do an interview with you? I was like, okay. At that, at that point, I've never actually done any interviews. Oh, wow. And so I had to clean my apartment. They came over. <laughs> like f- it was a full TV crew, like, can't, like you know, getting hooked up on the mic and having the lighting, doing mic checks. I've never done that in, yeah. in my life. And um, I think it was, we did the shoot right before I was about to travel, so I didn't get a chance to do a lot of, like, research, because mm-hmm. at that point, I still don't know who Anthony Bourdain really is. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they started asking me all these questions during an interview, like, so how's it like, you know, being a native New Yorker? Um, how do you think you, 
how, how do you think you feel like as a creative here in New York and how, how similar are you to Anthony Bourdain as, as, as someone in New York? I was like, well, I don't, in my head, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't really know anything about this guy. Yeah. And I basically just had to like bullshit my entire way through and be like, oh, well, you know, he's really funny and I think I'm really funny and like just random, random shit like that. Like <laughs> how has his work influenced you as you're creating your artwork? I just, I don't know. I just had to make it up. <laughs> oh um, and, and yeah. And then next thing you know, that video comes out and, and Anthony Bourdain actually narrates over it. You can find it on YouTube actually. Oh, that's so <laughs> and funny. he introduces me as this illustrator and he says my name and my friends are all like, Oh my God, Anthony Bourdain said your name, blah, blah, blah. And they were going crazy. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is pretty cool. And it still hasn't really hit me to this day. Um, what a big deal that was yeah like i get it but i'm also like well you know it's just it's just anthony bourdain you know because i'm not part of that world i don't really watch a show so i don't really know what a big deal he is but yeah it's always a good opener when i meet people they're like oh what do you do i'm like i'm an illustrator oh what kind of work do you do uh you know i draw stuff oh who have you worked for and then i can drop that name and people are like oh my god blah 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 <laughs> and and that was probably still to this day probably one of my favorite jobs because they're so easy to work for yeah yeah i mean it's funny how like that type of a name will give you credentials as an artist yeah and sometimes it's almost uh, necessary to get right. other work right. in that sense. And I think that was like my big break internet wise, mm. like with the influences of social media and tapping into the travel channel network. And then actually through that job, that's how I got one of my first posts on Hypebeast, which we know is like a huge, you know, internet platform for people to get their, their kind of like fashion style news nowadays, mm -hmm. especially for the, the, the male market. Yeah. So. What was that post about? Oh, just like um, how I'm doing a poster series for Anthony Bourdain. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit. And, you know, when growing up in a, in a home with Asian parents and like, you know, it's very controlled in, in the direction. How did you, what was the struggle going into the arts um, growing up as a career? Um, well... To backtrack even more, well, my mom actually has an interesting background, too. She actually used to be a singer in Taiwan. So she mm. kind of has, like, this crazy rags-to-riches story where she was able to, you know, go through these, like, singing contests and work her way up. And, and she ended up, like, paying for her brothers and sisters' colleges. It was insane. Yeah. Um, so she ha kind of has that very, like, entrepreneurial kind of spirit. And then for my dad, he was kind of your kind of like average Joe and he like he he's very academically inclined he's very smart and um you know for him and his family it's always been kind of a line of engineers like my grandfather was a mechanical engineer my grandmother was a chemical engineer she was also a professor um and and my dad is a civil engineer so that it's like a whole lineage and of course when they had me they probably were hoping that I would be a doctor or a lawyer. And my whole life, like every Saturday morning, I was sent to Chinese school. I was sent to math prep class, English prep class, all this stuff, even though the entire time I was just drawing on the paper and like not paying attention. <laughs> it, was a, it was a huge struggle for me at that point in my life because I'm really bad at math. And so it was like really hard to keep up in school. Yeah. Especially with Asian parents, because they're like, what is wrong with you? How do you not get this? <laughs> and it just doesn't work on that side of my brain. Yeah. Um, 
so so when I was applying for schools, I mean, I got into Parsons, which at the time I didn't know was that like. I originally wanted to go to FIT, which is a very you know well-known school in the market, and I actually got rejected from them. Mm. And then my friends were like, "Oh, why don't you apply for FIT? I mean, uh, for Parsons?" And I got an acceptance letter, and it was either that or or City College, you know, mm. like a like a city school in New York. Yeah. And I s- decided to go for the art thing, and I don't know what was going on in my parents' head, but they let me. Um, my mom's always been pretty supportive. My dad actually, ironically to this day, he still tells, he tells people I don't have a job. He doesn't <laughs> know what I do. I've had, um, I've had the world journal, which is, um, a, a news publication for the Chinese community, actually all throughout the U S it's called world journal. Mm-hmm. I had them interview me and write an article about me and I showed it to my parents and they're just like, Oh, this is great. Um, but when are you going to get a full-time job with insurance? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so it's it's still a struggle, and I think a lot of it is just kind of cultural differences. They yeah. just don't get it. It's yeah. very, and it's also such an um, it's also just such an uncommon job to have, especially for like you know an Asian female is in yeah. New York. It's just weird to them. It's just like, why can't you just be a pharmacist? You know? So. Yeah. That's crazy. So what would you say is a monumental moment that you've had growing up that's like shaped the way that you've thought and, and going out on your own and, and pursuing this career in art? Um, I think there, I can't really say there's one moment. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say there are many, many stepping stone moments for the most part from, um, you know, one, one probably one big step was definitely going to college for it. Um, I wouldn't say art school is for everyone. I wouldn't say college is for everyone. But um, being in art school and being amongst, you know, uh, somewhat like-minded students and um, these super experienced professors, just they just they have so much to show you. And you're yeah. constantly being immersed in this, like, this world of different illustrators, techniques, all this stuff. That's all you think about. That's all you hear. That's all you're working on. And being in that environment for four years straight... You know, definitely does something to you, yeah. right? And and your perspective yeah. of New York City definitely is 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 um, changed, and you're yeah. challenged, and yeah, it was it was definitely a great experience for me, for the most part. Nice, yeah. I mean, and so, how did you get into becoming full time? I mean, it is a full time job, right? No, no, it, no. It is. It is actually. It's funny because I actually just did a talk earlier last week at um, City College. Oh. Ironically, they have an art program, and they asked me to go speak there. And I was like, "Hey, did you guys know?" I was gonna, actually, I was going to study optometry there. No way. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. But um, but yeah, the talk was actually about um, transit a transition from student life into freelancer life. So, for me personally, I have to say, like a lot of it has to do with internships. I did internships my entire time when I was in school. Like every spare minute I had, I was invested in either one or two internships. Um, you know, summers, semesters, whatever. I was I was really like overworking myself. Mm-hmm. And I was also working part-time. I was also um, commuting um, like crazy. I didn't uh, live in the city. Um, and I was also auditing classes. So I was taking more classes than... I could, which is actually technically illegal, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I wanted to make the most out of my four years. And because I was like, so like just 
going insane with my schedule that when I started to transition into being a freelancer, I was totally okay with this like sporadic 24-7 kind of yeah. situation. Um, but, but yeah, when I was in school, I did these internships where I was able to kind of experience uh, a professional life. Um, um, like I interned um, at Complex Magazine, which mm. is a magazine publication, working with an art director, uh, editor-in-chief, fashion uh, editor, and just, because when you're a student, you don't know any of those things are for the most part, and dealing with these deadlines and seeing how a magazine is made from scratch and how to map things out, how to like sit down and, and work work through issues and all of that. So that was a great experience. And then I also interned under a fine artist. His name is Ryan McGuinness. So like I was just cleaning silk screens in like a bathtub with like a, a power gun. But but even if you're the, here's the thing with internships, even if you're doing silly things like getting coffee or scanning papers, the fact that you get to be in an environment with another professional and hear the conversations they're having hmm. is like is is worth so much more, worth more than any other anything you get paid for, I feel like. Yeah. That's why people are like, oh, I don't want to take an internship if it's not paid. I'm like, man, it's not about that. It's totally not about that at all. So a lot of times people can be misled, but back to back to my internship experience um i also interned for another freelance illustrator his name is frank stockton so you know working with him seeing how his process is like as an illustrator working on his own what's his daily schedule like yeah how to work with invoices clients whatever emailing um and i also interned at a, a at a design studio and um it was under this uh, this this designer and slash rapper. His name is Peter Chung. Hmm. His his rap name was Cool Compete, um, and we worked on different things like um, fashion production. So, you know, when you walk into a store and you see a graphic T-shirt, how someone made that graphic, but how did you get from the graphic to the actual T-shirt, right. and kind of that in between process. And I learned a lot about that. And again, that's something I would have never learned in illustration in school, yeah. right? That, that, that's just kind of more so in the fashion design realm. So I was, I was able to kind of wear these different hats by assisting all these different people who, who came from different, um, kind of different focuses in the creative arts mm -hmm. and be able to just learn and, and mix and match and take, take these different skill sets. And then when I graduated, I was able to do all of the above. Or, or had some some knowledge of doing all of the above, and then like it was it was tough because at, right after I graduated, my parents wanted me to get a full time job, mm. and so I got a full time job off of Craigslist, of course. <laughs> um, and it was it was horrible. It was at this like multidisciplinary um, kind of like a creative hub, and it was for this older woman and it was literally like devil wears Prada. They basically put artwork in like Marriott hotels and like new restaurants that open up, but it wasn't fun. It was like, it was like the lame work behind it, like Excel spreadsheets, emails, like really bad, gra really, really bad graphic design. That was probably the worst part. I like would wake up every day and I would hate myself. And I'd be like, I worked this hard in school and did all these internships and this is, this is what I'm worth. Like, I think I was getting paid like, 22,000 a year or something. Oh, wow. I didn't even say for a full year, but that was, that was, that was the start. And yeah. then at some point I was like, you know, fuck it. I, I can't like, I'm too young to, to, to be living this way, you know? And yeah. I'm just like fresh out of school and I, and I think I'm, I'm skilled enough. And so I decided to quit and, um, get into freelancing. So I'm like, okay, well, how am I supposed to get jobs now? Like, 
you know, when you're fresh out, like how, yeah. how are you, honestly, that's a star question. How are you supposed to get jobs? <laughs> and so, um, it kind of started out with, again, Craigslist was awesome. So there's like an art media job section and I would just be cold emailing people. Hey, my name's Sophia Chang. This is my resume. This is my portfolio. And this is what I can, I can do all of this stuff, you know, logo, branding, website, whatever, illustration. Let me know if I can help you out. And probably like, less than 10% ever responded to my mm. email. But that's what it was. And then and then I had to like save up laundry money to um, go meet clients in the city. And I was like saving up on food and stuff. And I'm also very stubborn, so I won't ask my parents for money. <laughs> I was like, I need, to, I need to do this myself. And and that was an interesting time in my life. It was very humbling. Yeah. Um, and then slowly but surely, you know, things start picking up with with the uh, connections I made through my internships mm. and um, these credited names that I worked for. And then and then Anthony Bourdain happened. That's awesome. <laughs> at some point, yeah, at some point it was just like friends of friends. Hey, you know, because everyone when you graduate, everyone's kind of getting jobs there themselves as well. Yeah. And some of them they talk to each other. Someone needs some design work done and so forth. And and bit by bit, you know, check yeah. by check initially. And then, and then, and then, with press through Anthony Bourdain and other jobs along the way, slowly but surely, yeah. here I am now. <laughs> so, so you would say that a lot of it is building your network and. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like no, don't be a dick, and you know, don't like, you know, just like stay humble for the most part, and try not yeah. to burn bridges for the most part. Yeah, it, it really helps, especially being a student. I'd say at that point, I was basically still a student. Yeah. Even even though I wasn't in school. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that translates into the internships and the attitude that you have when you're in an internship. Yeah. And yeah. What kind of attitude did you go in with to the internship with? Um. Well, um, I knew I wanted to get something out of it, and I knew my 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 time was um, valuable. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I went into these internships, I was like, Hey, you know, what can you offer me? What do I get out of it? You know, whenever you, after an interview, when you go, even if it was like a job interview, it's like, okay, do you have any questions for me? I'm always like, yeah. How do you like it here? Are you happy every day? Mm. You know, I ask them these like crazy questions and they're like, oh my God, like how am I supposed to answer? And then I'll ask them things like, you know, what do I get out of it? Out of it? Cause you're getting my time. Yeah. And so just seeing what kind of answers to come back with. So, I mean, just to also recognize your own value, have confidence going into these interviews, but also to be very humble. I think that's very important. Yeah. Especially when you're a student because you're working with people who have years of knowledge on you. So they can send you anytime for the most part. So yeah. you really have to like be open, be willing to to make mistakes and um just have an open mind. Yeah. Cuz as an intern you you have to have an open mind, you know? You, you have to be able to deal with ch challenges and a lot of times I like to pretend like I know everything and I really had to just like tone that down. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And learn. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, on the other side of having interns now for, right. for myself, it's, it's interesting. You know, I feel like when they come in, when the interns come in with an attitude of I'm down to like learn and to help mm -hmm. and, and the more that I can offer, um, in hard work and, and good attitude, the more I'm going to give to them naturally as like, as the boss right. or as the right company owner um they're gonna learn a lot more right so i have a i have an intern now who's great but i've also had interns before him who are in college and they had to go back to school and whatever um but yeah in the same way because i was an intern like whenever 
my help my assistants come in or interns come in they're like I I feel like I have to make the most out of their time and I really want them to learn because mm. I don't want to waste their time so I, it's almost like I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself too to plan out their day not only plan out my day but now I have to plan out their day and yeah. so forth but um my intern now his name's Zarin he's great like really open-minded really willing to just like get his hands dirty whether it's like you know helping me take out the garbage or like packing things and all this stuff like even if it's like a quote-unquote slow day where we're not doing as much he's he's more than willing and in in the same way i'm also teaching him how to like kind of like design 101 how to like train your eye and all this stuff so it's been Mm. really great kind of exchange Mm. for the most part Wow, that's awesome. And well, speaking of training your eye, how do you how does one even go about doing that? I mean, I know we all, you know, especially as artists, and this is another question I want to ask is how do you develop your style? Oh, I hate that question. That's like the worst that's like the star question, especially when you're in school. Is it? Um yeah, it's tough. I feel like you just have to keep doing and you have to keep creating A and B, you also you also have to be um you, you also have to just like look around you, you know? I mean, luckily we're in this awesome city, New York, where yeah. we have inspiration all around us. And I'm sure, you know, as a photographer, walking around certain things just catch, catch your eye because your, your mind is set in a specific gear. Mm-hmm. And you're like, your eyes work a specific way to catch things and whatever. So um, training your eye, I, I guess it's, a lot of it has to do with studying people you admire. So instead of like, instead of seeing a cool photo and being like, oh, wow, that's such a cool photo. It's more so like, hey, let's take like 10 minutes and really sit down with this one photo and really take it apart and be like, why is it so great? What Mm. is it about it? Let's look from color, composition, negative space, positive space, cropping, framing. How would it be like if it was, if you could see the rest of the photo and it wasn't cropped this way? And kind of playing with that and and really going down to basics helps you train your eye. Because there's so many things, especially with like Instagram, Tumblr, uh, all this stuff. Like you see certain things that are like, oh man, that's so cool. I really like that. But really sitting down with it and figuring out why why did it catch your eye you know and then that helps you develop your taste too because there's certain artists certain photographers that are you know that inspire you and so forth yeah totally yeah so you do that you find illustration and artists and and different people that you like and break their work down yeah yeah i think that that's that was at least my start now i just don't have as much time but i would like to but the same thing as you know even going back to classic work too Mm -hmm. um I, I was always really into art history as well. So even though my style looks nothing like Vermeer and Rembrandt, I completely um, respect what it is they do. And I've spent a lot of time studying their work as well mm. from understanding their color palette and like um, the moods and lighting and like their painting and how they use texture to capture light and how it's hung in a gallery, how it's hung in a museum and, and, you know, I do a little bit of, like, tiny... I just started to get into curation as well and and understanding that experience of curation in a mm. museum and all that stuff. Of course, they're next level, but to chi- kind of switch gears from sitting on, you know, and drawing a piece of paper, uh, drawing on a piece of paper and then thinking about, you know, how that piece of paper is hung and framed and lit yeah. in a space. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I'm nowhere close, but <laughs> I'm trying to think that way and trying to think out of the box. Well, that's great. I mean, your work is amazing and it shows, you know, you've put a lot of thought and a lot of 
process into it. And it, I think uncovering a little bit of that, about that process, even, you know, defining how you come up with your, how do you, you know, figure out your style. I mean, we all, I, I do a lot of the same thing with photography and, def- you know, breaking down work and taking it in. So it's super interesting to hear like what you, your process is Yeah. and that. So, you know, what's like, what's a good, like, it, like what's a typical day look like for you? Um, well, it depends on the season because right now it's slow season. So I'm kind of just hanging out and watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, um, a typical day, I mean, luckily I'm a pretty organized person for the most part. So kind of every minute of my day is planned. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, also stress has been building up. So I'm trying to manage that as well. So I try to wake up you know, brush my teeth, do all that kind of stuff, walk my dog before I sit down and read all of my emails. Like I try mm. not to check my emails in the morning because it's just not good for your health, actually. <laughs> it's not good to, to read your emails right when you wake up and right before you go to sleep. So, so but yeah. at some point it always starts off with emails and kind of checking my calendar, see what it is I have planned for the day. And then just taking it from there, you know, I have a to-do list that I work off of. And then, of course, I have my my emails that I have to go through. Mm. And so, like, each day varies from from work or meetings or podcast interviews and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, um, But, yeah, you know, being versatile, being flexible, being able to um, plan ahead is super important, I'd say, for a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah. Planning ahead in in terms of, of organizing your financials? Everything. I think um, the crazy thing about being a freelancer, and a lot of times students will ask me, oh, you know, questions about freelancer life and being a full-timer and all this stuff. I always tell them it's being a freelancer is awesome because I take naps in the middle of the day. But the thing is, at the same time, you have to realize that you need to be your own accountant, your own business planner, your own marketing, PR, um, you know, and so forth. You have to be able to wear all of these hats. You might not be able to do it well, but you definitely need to have knowledge of it. And then mm-hmm. at some point, you can probably bring someone on board and just like hire someone to do some of this stuff <laughs> yeah. when you get to that level. Um, but if you're, if you're just doing, you know, rolling solo, you need to be able to do all of that. And, and a lot of times, you know, right out of college, I tell people it's good to get a full-time job because when you're in that professional environment, working with other people and, and you know, deadlines and whatever, emailing, it helps to shape you to be an actual better. It makes you a better freelancer. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So how did you, when you made that transition into, you know, you quit your job. Yeah. How did you pay the bills while you were hustling? Um, check by check. Really? I mean, every day I knew that I had to work super hard. Otherwise, how the hell am I going to pay these bills? So I had to send a shitload of cold emails, cold Mm. calls, um, I think it's important to be fearless. I think you need to know what it is you're doing. Don't be a weirdo. But yeah. like, you know, you really have to make an effort because if you don't make an effort, no one's going to help you. you know, yeah. No one's going to do it for you. You're the only one who's in control when you're right. a full-time freelancer. So um, you have to be proactive. I mean, this is this is kind of a stretch to say, but a lot of times I'll tell people, if you, you know, how can you be in New York City and not have a job, especially if you're a creative, you know, yeah. or a freelancer? Like the opportunities are just endless. You can work for any company around the world. Mm. You know, you just have to really go out there and you have to be active and apply every day and look every day. And at some point, you know, I probably spent, sent out like 120 emails a day or something close to that and then maybe I'll get one back yeah in three within like a three months time frame but 
um, you know, when it, when it was really bad and, and I wasn't getting any work, I would also work with um, different uh, creative agencies. So what they do is they, what, what is it called? I think they're like, um, like a job agency. Basically, you go meet them, you tell them what you can do, and then whenever they get work, they'll like find you to help like put, they'll put you in like another company or whatever. What are those things like called? Like creative placement agencies? Yeah, kind of like placement like stuff. So I did a lot of that. I, you know, it wasn't anything fun. It wasn't anything I could put in my portfolio, right. but I would still do these jobs in order to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, or I would contact my own internships and be like, hey, you know, do you have anything for me to do? And, and so forth. So they were always more than willing to help me out because they've yeah. worked with me before. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's it was a lot easier to transition into that. Yeah. So, where did this internal drive come come from? I don't know. It might just be being in New York and just like I wouldn't say it's street smart. It's kind of just like you figure it out. It's yeah. not like someone really told me. Some of these things people told me, but a lot of these things, it's just you sit and you think like, what am I going to do? You know? And then you have these like new revelations and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a big gap between a lot of people that are a successful and, and working and P and then people that aren't is, is that internal drive to hustle. And there's, there's a mentality, there's a, there's fear that you have to push through to go there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've always been pretty aggressive with these types of things. Only because I just realized, you know, if I don't do it, no one else is going to help me. No one's going to do it for me. I have to do it. If I don't, if I don't do it, then all the four years I spent in college was a waste. You know, all those mm-hmm. hours that I dedicate. And when you when you start thinking in that in that pattern, you're like, dude, I need to go. I need to do some <laughs> shit. You know? Yeah. 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 So what's been uh, what's been your favorite or one of your fa- most favorite jobs to date? Well, Travel Channel was great. Okay. Um, that's whenever people ask me that question, that's the one I, that's the uh-huh. card I play. So I'd really have to think about the rest, but that one was cool because, um, the client was great. They were really easy to work with. They were, they were like your classic client. And it's funny cause they were like my first big client. Yeah. So changes were super minor, really little boundaries. They were like, Hey, just, just do what you do, you know, yeah. be inspired off of, off of this episode. Yeah. So, um, same thing that I learned in school, you know, you provide them sketches and then work through a rough draft and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah. So what about it resonated with you creatively? Um, it was really great that they were just like, just, just go for it. Just do whatever you want, you know? And even with changes, it's not like they were asking for crazy things. Like some clients would like, Oh, we don't like his jeans blue. Can you change it into like red or we don't like his hand like that. Can you change it into this? And it's just like, <laughs> no one's going to notice the difference, you know? Yeah. Um, but they were just, they, they're really open to anything I could offer them. So That's it was, great. I was, I really enjoyed working with them. Yeah. Awesome. So if you, what's, what's your dream in terms of like work that you want to be doing? I have no idea. And I get that question a lot. Like, oh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, and I don't know if this is like a bad answer, but I feel like I would just be in the same place doing this very similar stuff that I am now, just with, with bigger companies, you know? Hmm. Obviously growing growing financially, but, um, you know, I would love to have someone full-time as well, you know, have yeah. people on my team and be able to work through that. Um, but otherwise, I'm very, I'm living the dream. I'm very blessed. I'm very happy and very humbled that I'm able to do what, I'm, what I do. Yeah. So, 
you know, I wouldn't imagine myself doing so you're anything doing else. It. Yeah, I'm, doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm working towards it. Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, where do you see your style evolving to? Um, I don't know. It kind of changes with the times too, you know, as I grow as a person, um, and my general interests, I think my style will just change along with that. I, I don't really know where it's going to go. I have yeah. no idea. I mean, what's, uh, what's inspiring you currently? Um, well, a lot of it, I think, has to do with um, picking up different different mediums to work in. Like, I just bought a camera, a film camera. I don't mm. know how to load film yet. Um, and it's just it's just a little self-project just for fun. Um, and, it, and I'm just... I just feel like I live in this amazing city in New York and I have nothing to really show for. Everything's yeah. on my iPhone. I don't have anything tangible like that I can actually show mm-hmm. 10 years from now. So I'll be messing around with film a little bit. So I'm sure as I'm learning and, and kind of going through the, the growing pains of that and learning a new instrument, a lot of it is probably going to translate into my illustration as well. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just like... Um, seeing something that someone else did and I'm like oh man that's so awesome I'm gonna try to do that or let me recreate that and just just practice my you know practice my hand yeah that really helps a lot of times I think you know we were talking about typography earlier today um maybe it's a word that someone wrote that just looks so cool and I want to rewrite it myself but it's just kind of training your hand and and mm-hmm. a lot of times I think it's great to copy others not professionally but I think to train your eye and to train your hand and your creativity it's it's a great tool yeah i mean imitation is part of the creative process yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i guess now moving forward like what's your what's your biggest fear moving forward failure failure has always been my biggest fear when i was growing mm. up just not being good and sucking at it yeah um i mean there's certain things i know i'm bad at and that's fine like math or whatever but um, you know, just, just not being able to do this for, for as long as I'd like to. Yeah. So I'd say failure is like my biggest, biggest fear. What, what, what would it be an example of failure for you? Um, let me think. Um, well, I also try to like not be too hard on myself, but you know, for example, if there was, there was, um, a job that came about, I really wanted it and I didn't put my f- full effort into it, whether it was just personal life or I'm too busy or, you know, all these things that d- different factors and ended up not getting it, mm. which has happened to me in the past. I'm like, oh man, I kind of failed, but at this, it all depends on your perspective and how you want to make yourself feel in your head. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of times I'll be like, well, it's okay. One door closes and another will open. Yeah. I can think that way or I can be like, damn it, you failed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, turning it into positivity and yes. looking forward and, you know, maybe everything does happen for a reason. Right. So, I mean, I go through that all the time, too. Right. It's like you don't get a job, you win some, you lose some, and right. you just got to pick up and move to the next as long yes. as you put your full effort. Exactly. No, I totally agree with you. And, and it's tough sometimes, but, you know, it's not going to help to yeah. sit and focus on the negative. <laughs> Exactly. Do you ever experience uh, resistance when you're coming into a project or uh, being creative? What do you mean resistance? Um, I don't know if you ever read the, the book, The War of Art. No. Um, but he talks about, Stephen Pressfield talks a lot about like that, 
that resistance or whatever it is to get to the point where we're actually creating. So whether it's like procrastination or oh, like artist block, yeah. artist block. Yes. Yeah. All the time. Um, like my entire life is basically <laughs> sometimes, um, of course that happens. Um, but I think, uh, having been in the industry and working professionally for the past four years, um, I've found ways around it, of course. Mm. Um, so a lot of it is going back to what inspires you. And thank God we have Pinterest and Tumblr and Behance, whatever, all these <laughs> online sources where, you know, and I also have my own like folders on my on my computer where I can just kind of sift through these different images and, and it'll just get me thinking. Yeah. Um, but of course, yeah, I bump into that, those issues all the time, but I'm able to get around it now. Yeah, and, and that's just through looking at other things and getting inspired, or right. is there any other, anything well, there's, else? there's that. Um, there's also, you know, because the weather's nice now, sometimes it's grabbing a coffee and just taking a walk in the city, mm. kind of almost like clearing your mind and and kind of just like looking looking at what's around you. Yeah. Um, maybe it's going to a museum, going to a gallery. Maybe it's just chat. So a lot of times my best ideas come come from just chatting with friends, you know, over coffee or lunch or whatever, and just just like thinking as I'm speaking yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. So now your it's your handle or your website is it's SEMAI? SEMAI, yeah. SEMAI. And where did that come from? Um that actually just came from high school. So in 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 New York like it's so silly, but a lot of kids like, you know, they try to do graffiti or they try to rap and whatever. It's just I don't know. Well, for me at least I grew up I grew up with those types of influences, so I used to do like I used to tag when I was younger. It's not it's not that serious because there's I know so many serious graffiti artists now that it's just offensive saying that I tried to do it. Like I would make these like little stickers from the um, the post office like the USPS would have these stickers mm -hmm. where you write to and from. And I used to like draw stickers and then cut it out with like an exacto knife, like die cut it myself and just yeah. like these are like one off stickers that I would stick around school and wherever I was and I'd write my name and and the name was SMI, which my friend made up for me. Yeah. And it's basically M A I, which is I am backwards. And mm. then my initials S C phonetically sounds like S-E-E-S-Y. Ah, that's all it is. It's just I am Sophia. It's like cool. everyone would think of these like silly little quirky little name things that they would put everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that was where it came from. And then, and then in college, it was my screen name and email address. Um, and then I couldn't, I'm not a name person. You know how you have like that one friend that's really good at coming up with titles and captions for Instagram and names and stuff. <laughs> yep. I'm not that person. So I kind of just had that one thing I could hold on to. So I just, <laughs> I just worked off of it for the most part. I love it though. I mean, it's a great, it's It's cool to hear where that come from. Yeah. Um, Cause I see it all the time. I see it on your Instagram. I right. see it, you know, it's your website and all that. Yeah. So. It's silly. It's, it's really a silly story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's interesting all at the same time. Like, right. I would not have thought that that was how you put it together. Right, right. So it's great. Um, so one last question here. And uh, what does live inspiration mean to you? Live inspiration. Um, initially, I was like, is that correct grammar? <laughs> <laughs> live inspiration. Um, that's really weird. Hmm. It's like kind of live out what you're inspired by type mm -hmm. of thing. I yeah. totally just like broke it down into like different tenses, but that's what it means to me. Live, live out what you're inspired by. So I, I'm inspired by, um, 
you know, people who are trendsetters, people who, you know, like kind of the idea of like iron sharpens iron and all of that kind of stuff. That's what these are like the quotes and phrases that I'm I'm inspired by and then kind of living it yeah. and, and and working working by it parallel to that. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. I don't know what what do other people say? I mean, that's a that's a great answer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I win. Yes. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's a lot of my definition of it too, is to like live, you know, be inspired and then be inspiring all at the same time. Right. Oh yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of cyclical thing, at least yeah. for me personally, because I was inspired by so much and, and I've been so fortunate to have people kind of take me under their wings and be willing to teach me and work through the things that I suck at. Like I, I'm really bad at paying attention and focusing on things and like, you know, again, through these internships and stuff, I've been able to be inspired and work under these people in the same way I want to be able to inspire other people in a positive way, whether it's through my Instagram, through my work, through talks or, or whatever yeah. it is. I, I really believe in giving back to the creative community, mm. just like how I continue to take from the creative community. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So where can we find you on the World Wide web? Um, so you can find me on Instagram or my website. I mean, I'm pretty socially active, I guess. Um, it's just so weird saying it. It's S-U-M-I, but, but um, if you wanted to spell it out, it's E-S-Y-M-A-I. There it. it is. Awesome. Is that the Twitter as well? Yes. Awesome. I have the same name as my Twitter and Instagram. Surprise, surprise. Well, that's good. <laughs> I know. I hate it when people change it. <laughs> Branding. Yeah, there you go. Branding. It's great. Well, awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show and I'm inspired now to go out and practice more of my, my fine art and illustration. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Shop Talk Radio and joining me as we dive underneath the hood of the creative lifestyle. Again, I am your host, Nick Onkin, and if you enjoyed today's episode, then go over to iTunes and leave us a good review so that we can spread the word and inspire even more people in the world to live inspiration and share their inner creativity. Also, we'd love to see where you're listening to the podcast, so snap a photo on Instagram, hashtag liveinspiration, or tag me at Nick Onkin so that you can inspire other people to listen wherever they are at. But beyond this, check out nickonkinshoptalk.com to read articles on creating the creative lifestyle anywhere from emotional intelligence to any other aspect of creative entrepreneurship. I'll be also posting up editorial content in the form of visual essays that I get to create with my photographic eye and my craft and my career. Uh, but most of all, you get to join the underground creative community that we're creating. So thanks again for joining us. Now go share your creativity with the world. Oh.